Taylor, Bud Light Heineke wins his Heineken hate game. Brady narrowly edges past Bill. And Zach Wilson finally gets his first win. Welcome to Saturday Morning Inspection. Nick, what a week of football and non-football related issues we have to talk about today. But first, before we go anywhere, I would like to thank all of the viewers. Uh, Our last episode did great. We got over 100 viewers, getting close to two. So uh, I'd like everybody just, you know, if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us at smishow.com. We are on Twitter at smifootballshow. We are on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, all under Saturday Morning Inspection. So just give us a look, and uh, we love to have you. But before we get into things, uh, Nick, it seems like you've dressed up for this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you I care to comment? Oh, yeah. So with Dallas winning their uh, third straight game and looking pretty good doing it, I felt I had to represent the... Uh, the cowboy lifestyle a little bit with my bolo tie and my Western shirt. I want to call you Nick Jones for a minute. Uh, You look like Jerry's son. I I feel like that's what he would wear. I'm I'm not saying Jerry would wear this. I'm just saying Jerry would be proud of me for wearing it. Well, uh, let's, let's comment on that. You know, you might have a pontoon boat. Jerry has a yacht, but uh, you know, one of the two. The important thing is we're thinking the same. Yeah, you're small steps. You at least have a, a, you can have, say you have a boat or something. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm sure as everybody knows, if you're tuning into our podcast, that means you like something about the NFL or the football in general. And everyone in the world, even if you didn't know about football, has heard about this story. But I digress. We must comment on it. Urban Meyer seemed to have quite the uh, relaxing weekend, so to speak at first, until a video broke of him at a local bar that he owns uh, having scantilous uh, positions with a young lady, uh, a lap dance of sorts. But, as bad as that is, there's a lot more implication to that than the action. So, I would like to dive into that a little bit, if you don't mind, Nick. I don't mind at all. Stage one. Urban Meyer did not fly home with the football team. I've never heard of a coach who did not travel home with a football team before, especially after a loss, especially when you are now 0-4. Number two, the reason he gave that he did not fly home is that they were in his hometown of Ohio and he would like to see his grandkids. It was obvious a lie because his grandkids were not at a bar and his grandkids aren't a 20-year-old something blonde. So uh, maybe he did see them, but this is not a good look on Urban Meyer. Yeah, no, not at all. I I think, uh, you know, one of the things, and at least when I played the bus ride, I mean, coaches, especially if you lose head coaches, they hate it, but I feel like they love the bus ride because they're just, they love being in that bus and just sitting there and just waiting for someone to even hint of having, having any happiness or joy so they can pounce and attack and yell at them. So it's a that's, camaraderie building exercise. That's how they think it is anyway. So yeah, the fact that urban Meyer would turn that down, that's unheard of. 
Now, getting a little bit into this, uh, a little deeper, uh, my third point was when all of the news broke, uh, first of all, his press conference was just pitiful. He, uh, why did he even try? Uh, second thing that happened, Monday morning when he's supposed to face the team for the first time, he kind of pusses out and canceled Monday morning's meeting. Like, that doesn't show me good leadership. Take your actions. Take it head on. If he would have gone straight in that meeting and was like, guys, look, I I messed up. I really messed up. I apologize. I think things would have ended up, the media headlines would be a little bit different. Uh, they wouldn't still be going multiple days afterwards. Uh, but, you know, it'd be fine if this was the first thing Urban's ever done, but it's not. You remember... Uh, Early on this year, when he hired the strength and conditioning coach, who's now in like lawsuits for like racially uh, profiling, uh, things of that nature. I think his name was a uh, Doyle, Chris Doyle, or some something. Yeah, yeah, he's had a couple of rough patches along the way. Not to mention he's owned for he, he's coach of the worst football team in the NFL currently. Why wasn't he watching film? Why was he with his grandkids? He's got to turn this bus around. Uh, unless he doesn't care to and he has other plans. But at the beginning of the season, Urban stated he doesn't want to be a distraction for the team. Well, a few, a few weeks before this, a distraction came out in the Southern Cal job. And whether he liked it or not, the media has tied him to that job numerous times. That's a distraction in itself. Why add on to the media circus? You're just giving them things to pick about you. And finally, finally... And I'll let you comment more on this part. The most important person he let down was the players. Uh, it's like th this event involved a blonde-haired woman, and now he has yet laid his hands, his future in the hands of a young blonde in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, if he doesn't win a game here soon, with all the press coming out, uh, I don't think he is long for this Jacksonville world, but he first has to win back the locker room. And I think you commented there's something that happened earlier this week uh, with the team and the locker room. Right. So there's there's a couple things I want to hit on. The first thing, it is absolutely unheard of for a coach to cancel a team meeting, right? During training camp, we'd have team meetings after film at like nine o'clock at night that were like five minutes long sometimes, where the purpose of the meeting, the coach would come in and basically say, hey, good day today or bad day today. All right, let's go get our snack and then go to bed. Like that's literally was the meeting. They, they wouldn't even cancel that meeting. So the fact that Urban canceled a, a team meeting, that's again, another unheard of. But the second, the bigger thing is, right, you, you got a lot of reports out of the media that, you know, un, unnamed players uh, had talked to different reporters saying that they laughed him out the room or he's lost the respect of the team. I will say this, in, in Urban's defense, in any meeting room I've been in, roughly half the guys hate the coach. And if they can talk to a media to badmouth the coach, they will. I mean, there's been, I've been in meetings where coaches have given rah-rah speeches where a third of the room loves it. A third of the room doesn't care and there's not paying attention. And a third of the room thinks the coach is the biggest idiot that's walked the face of the earth. And that can just change day to day. So the fact that you hear these stories coming out is, is no inclination that, you know, Hey, he's lost the locker room and everybody hates him. 
It just means that the people that really don't like Urban Meyer, the real gripers and whiners, are, are feeling enabled to go out and talk to the media. He's given them ammo. Oh, yeah. I think I think that's the one problem, right, is it is a distraction um, to the point where the, the, the players that are dedicated and winning and want to winning and wanting to get better and win uh, more football games and, you know, or at least try to win more football games, they now have got to put up with this, right? You know, that, like you said, Trevor Lawrence is of the world. It, it, it is a distraction. It doesn't necessarily, I think for those guys, it doesn't hurt their morale because their morale wasn't going to be hurt one way to begin with. It's just another pain in the butt they got to put up with. And that just hurts the team. Well, in all of this, someone else vital to the team and someone else vital in Urban's life who has highest moral character. What would Tim Tebow think about all of this? I feel bad for the morning. Tim Tebow, the guy that he has the most upstanding opinion of, his college coach that they went through battle together they won national champions together they won heisman trophies together and he turns on the tv as as if it's not bad enough he turns on the tv and his idol is just morally shaming himself to the public i can't imagine what he would think about I think the crazier thing is looking back to that florida team right you know where you had aaron hernandez the pouncy twins Maybe uh, uh, Urban was enabling all of them. And then, and then yeah, Urban Meyer, I guess, evidently had some issues too. I mean, I guess it was basically Tim Tebow, like the perfect human being and a bunch of, uh, bunch of people with questionable moral character. What is it with Tim Tebow having what seems like high moral character quarterbacks and he being the problem of the team? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think one of the things we got to look at is maybe, maybe it's Tim Tebow's fault, right? Maybe he set too high a standard. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's blame Tebow like one more time, at least. Yeah, I bet is. if the ESPN got a hold of this, that would be the first article. Is Tim Tebow to blame? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Stephen A would have a few thoughts on that. But uh, anyways, the whole issue is just crazy. and There's so many things you can say, but he's got a very short leash to hang himself these next few weeks, and I think if he steps out of line – if he's not in the office early and leaving late every night, uh, he won't be around for much longer. But something that will be around for a little bit longer, uh, let's talk about Monday Night Manning. The uh, Manning cast, as some have called it. Uh, I'll let's get your thoughts, and I have some thoughts as well, but some critiques on why it is the way that it is, some things that can make it better. Um and for anyone who doesn't know, I own a film TV production company, so I do have some valid thoughts on how to criticize it. So I'm not just the average Joe. I'm just slightly less average. Yeah, so I think it, I think it's a cool concept, and it can be entertaining at times, but I, I definitely think some of the guys that have on the cast is just really, really bad, and it kind of distracts from the game a little bit. Uh I think they have some cool, cool conversations about different things and different, you know, different coverages or reads they're looking at, but it, it really doesn't help to have, you know, Brett Favre on and Brett Favre is just trying to get his internet working in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, you know, with whatever dial-up connection. Gronk five has plate. a card game to get back to. Yeah. Yeah. Gronk's got a card game. It's just, it, sometimes it just looks pretty bad. You got Nick Saban openly recruiting Arch Manning on the Manning cast. Hey, so, I, I mean, mean, is it really, uh, uh, what do they call it? Tampering? If he's not talking to him directly? Yeah, I, I guess not. If he can get away with it, but I, I think it's entertaining. I, it's just honestly, I think because ESPN's telecast, normal telecast, is so bad. 
people use it as an alternative, the Manning cast. Yeah. It's if, like if the Al- lesser of the two evils. Right. If Romo or, or Al Michaels or Joe Buck, Troy Aikman were doing Monday Night Football, no one would watch the Manning cast. Well, one thing I will laud ESPN for is they've done something that I didn't think they would do. And this might be Manning initiated, if so good on them. Uh, they gave us a taste for three weeks, and now they have stopped until week seven. So they took about three or four weeks off. Uh, I think that's kind of cool in the fact that I would think ESPN would jam it down our throats until we got sick of it and we didn't want to watch it anymore. But now we have to go back to the terrible Monday night football broadcast and long for the days, oh, do you remember how great the Manning cast was? So we wait till week seven when they will be back. But a few things that we have talked about before, and I'll give you some credit because you gave me the single greatest answer I had heard yet. The Mannings, as much as we like to think they're the best football minds around probably, they are not host of a TV show. They are not. There's a lot of dead air. They can't help but watch the football, and they have to watch it to dissect it. One of the best guests they had was Pat McAfee, who is the host of a show, and he has lots of experience hosting when Charles Barkley also came on. He is the host of a show, and his segment was quite good as well. What they could really grow from is if they had, and you said this, Mike Greenberg or alike, some ESPN person, as a host, a third party to keep the conversation going so we don't have this. And that's about... 30 seconds of Peyton Manning staring at the screen to try to analyze the play, and there's nothing being said. Uh, Eli's just there being awkward, flipping off the camera like he said a nine-year-old flipped him off in Philadelphia. Uh, But I think if they had a host to keep the show along, uh, they could still have guests on if they want to, because I know like TV shows like the ratings, they like to be able to say LeBron's going to be on this week. Uh, Whether it makes the show better, I don't necessarily think so, but I I think... If they have a host, a third man in the booth, so to speak, to keep the conversation going and to call on Peyton and Eli and get their valuable insight, I think that would make it so good. They don't have to waste dumb filler time stuff. They have someone who's a professional at that. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it really, I mean, we we all want to watch the Mannings, really Peyton, Eli a little bit. Like to me, the guests are, are, are really unnecessary. We want to hear what Peyton Manning and Eli Manning have to say about, you know, the quarterback play in game situations and stuff like that. Right. We don't, we don't want to hear what LeBron thinks about football. I mean, yeah, it's just not relevant to the show. It's not relevant. The biggest draw to this or the biggest um, comparison is Tony Romo. When he came on the screen and he's a guy that I think has a pretty good uh, football IQ He was calling plays. He was dissecting defenses. He was saying what was going to happen before it happened. People loved it. They went crazy for it. And I think they have the same premise here. But what did Tony had? He had someone in the booth with him, one or two more people, to keep the conversation going. So I I think it's they have a great idea, a million-dollar idea here. I don't – I think they need to get someone else in there to keep it alive. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show how much ESPN stinks, right? They have a great idea. They have, you know, everything that should work perfectly, and they they find a way to screw it up, so. Yeah. Maybe we get uh, Archie in there, and he can, like, keep (laughs) it. That'd actually be pretty good. That'd be pretty funny. I'd like that. Archie just whacking them around. 
Those are some pretty big weeks for ESPN. Uh, the Manning cast really brought viewership up a lot, I believe. Uh, another big weekend was this weekend for rookie quarterbacks. Great weekend. We alluded to it earlier. Zach Wilson got his first win against the Titans. Justin Fields played a great game for the Bears. And then Mac Jones, I would say, had the best loss of the season that you could possibly imagine. And Trey Lance also, his first pass was good. So that, that was about it. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of those things? So the rookie quarterbacks this weekend. So Zach Wilson shut off his playmaking ability, right? His talent. Um, and he made a lot of balls. I mean, completed a lot of balls deep downfield uh, to beat the Titans at home. Obviously a big win for him getting his first win. I think the problem with Wilson is going to be consistency and turnovers. And of course he plays for New York, so he doesn't have a lot of talent. So I think he showed us a glimpse, but there's one thing, you know, it's one thing to have a good game to show a glimpse. It's another thing to stack them together. Um, so he's, he got a win good for him, but I think he's got a long way to go. I think Trey Lance is a heck of an athlete. He showed it in the second half against Seattle. He is not ready to be a, a starting quarterback in the league. It's going to be a scramble for them. Um, they're going to try and do a lot of, uh, you know, run, uh, run pass options, read option kind of things, you know, put the ball in his hands to try and make the play with his legs. You know, I think that's how they're going to survive. They probably hope Garoppolo gets back uh, sooner. I heard he may actually even play this weekend, but I, I think he's not ready for prime time. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with Mac Jones. I think his composure, his control over the game against New England, against Tampa and New England was absolutely amazing. He, I think he had 19 straight completions at one point. I, I mean, it's a high, that yeah, yeah. high pressure environment, right? Spreading the ball around to a lot of players, a lot of receivers who aren't really that good. Um, a real chance to win the game at the end. It didn't work out for him, but I, I agree with you. I think it's the best loss um, a rookie quarterback and maybe a team has had this year. So uh, that those are all very impressive. Uh, but I'm just going to say it. Somebody wasn't impressive, and I think we laid a tweet out there about it. Baker Mayfield sucks. And I think it's like um, the example of, like, you put Matt Stafford on the Rams. Like, if Matt Stafford was on the Browns, they'd be, like, Super Bowl contenders. But they're, like teetering playoff contenders as they are now. They have an amazing defense. They have great running backs. They have two of the best receivers. They have a pretty good O-line now after they've beefed it up the last two years. I mean, he has literally zero excuses. The Steelers suck in the division now. The Bengals are still new. They're not necessarily great. Baltimore is hurt. He has no excuses as to why he shouldn't be putting up huge numbers, yet they're not even, like, the Bengals and the Ravens overshadow them week after week, even though they win just because of how bad the performance is. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, you, you made a comparison, but I think the comparison to me is Mitchell Trubisky with Chicago the last couple of years, right? Yeah, Where yeah, Chicago, yeah. They had the great roster and the great defense, but Trubisky kind of held them back a little bit. I think we're seeing that a little bit with Baker, Right. I mean, he's we see him on commercials. We see him do all this other stuff. We have this notion that he's a better player than he is. And he's not. I mean, I think he was, what, 15 of 33. No touchdowns. It was less than 50 percent completion is not. I mean, this is against a bad Minnesota defense. Right. This is not a good defense that Minnesota has inability to move the ball inability to finish. I think their one big play offensively was a long run. I think so. They just what he didn't do much at all. It, it, it's really bad. And I think uh, Stefanski, the head coach in Cleveland, he's doing everything he can to give Baker, you know, 
the play actions, the bootlegs, the easy reads. And Baker just he's just not capitalizing on it. He holds the ball too long. He, he doesn't make the right decisions. He's very inaccurate at times. He's wild. You know, it, it's just not a good fit. I, I think in the long term, the way Baker's playing, he's holding Cleveland back. And I think Cleveland's going to feel that, if not this year, next year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens as contract year is coming up. I think it's next year is the fifth mm-hmm. year option. Yep. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. So either way, if they keep it or they decline it, it'll surprise me. So I don't, well, let me rephrase it. They're not going to decline it. They're going to take the fifth year option because uh, he's shown a flash the first season, but he has not grown since then. Um, well, even if they take the fifth year, right, that's still his rookie deal, which yeah, is a discount. Moving to over. the next deal, I will be surprised if they give him a new deal, and I'll also be surprised if they don't give him a new deal. So I, I don't. Think, I think it depends who's on the market, right? I think that drives a big, big factor. Do you think they go with a veteran or they try to draft another guy? Well, so like to compare it with Matt Stafford, if you if you can trade for a polished veteran who you think can execute on a high level, I think you do that, right? I don't think you draft. I think this roster and team is they're they're at the right level of of age and experience, right? They went to the playoffs last year. They're they won perfect a game. win now team. Yeah, they they have like a think a two or three year window, right? And obviously they're in a tough division. I mean, you're kind of trading Cincinnati for uh, Pittsburgh in terms of quality, but you still have Baltimore's really good. The AFC is tough. You know, right now it's, 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 it's really win now for them, you know, cause there's another echelon of young and up and coming quarterbacks, right? You've got uh, Herbert who's making big steps forward. You got a lot of other guys in the AFC, Mac Jones, you know, being another who are going to be coming up slowly and surely up the ranks. You don't I think, have, like, I think you're saying there's no lag behind where, Oh, we have a couple more years to just try to keep up. No, someone's going to be biting at your heels very soon here another low like that three-year gap of qb coming in behind you yep exactly and because those other guys are going to be on rookie deals for longer so if you look at new england or you know you look at um LA. the chargers yeah. right they're, they're going to have more of the cap space and flexibility to make those big moves cleveland won't if they lock up baker for a long term so i think they're very well aware of that and they're really focused on winning now and, and baker isn't showing up to let them do that peering from the afc back towards the NFC, somebody who has shown up and shown up absolutely huge is Kyler Murray. Yep. Big time. I heard a comment from Rams GM Les Snead, and he said hilariously to me, he's like, oh, I wouldn't mind if uh, Murray and Wilson uh, went played baseball. Like, uh, didn't they play baseball in college? He's like, those baseball guys, they get paid a lot of money. Why are they even playing football? So I, I just thought it was funny that he said something along those lines. What are your thoughts on Kyler? Uh, I know... Uh, did you watch that game last weekend? Yeah, so I think with Kyler Murray, it, it's it's sort of a Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson hybrid, right? Because he really doesn't, you know, run the ball as much as Lamar Jackson, obviously. Uh, but he he definitely is very uh, does a lot of scrambling. He does execute with some zone read downhill runs every once in a while. He's extremely fast, extremely athletic. I think they're just super talented on offense, right? I mean, you look at Christian Kirk. Uh, you look at um, A.J. Green, the veteran. They obviously got Hopkins. They got uh, the tight end, Max Williams, right? So they got a lot of guys to spread the ball around. And, and Murray's done a good job dis- uh, distributing the football, making good decisions, and making some big plays. The question will be with Arizona is can they keep it up for the season, right? They had a hot start last year, and then Murray kind of fell off, and the team kind of fell off. 
can they maintain it? Right now, they look a lot better. They they killed a really, really good Rams team. So they look like oh, the yeah. best team in the NFC. Who we thought, and they still may be, but you know, someone has to hit turbulence every once in a while. Uh, oh, we yeah, thought yeah. the Rams were the best team in the NFL at one point, and they still, I mean, they're not bad, but they're, there's a question. Right, and I, and I think the thing with the Arizona, right, because what the Rams have is a lot of veteran leadership, a lot of guys who have been there before. Like, you know, you got the Aaron Donalds, right, who have played in big games and been to a Super Bowl. You know, the, the Cardinals have none of that, right? I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins or J.J. Watt, they, those guys have been to a playoff game. Yeah, they haven't made it much past. Right, so you look at, you know, Ken Murray and Kingsbury as the, as the head coach, can they maintain that level of focus and performance over the course of a 17-game season, especially in the brutal NFC West? I don't know. It's going to be a challenge, but he's been exciting and he's been outstanding through the first four games. That's for sure. I hate being the AFC North, but I would sure hate being in that division as well. That's, that's brutal. That's brutal division. Uh, another thing that we have to acknowledge when records are broken, you have to comment on them. And a very big record was broken. Aaron Rodgers, I think at first he like tied the record, but then he went on to break it. Uh, but at one point during that day, he threw 420 touchdowns. And an announcer hilariously made a comment that he was smoking out the other team or something along the lines. And when they came back from that, it was like a score alert on ESPN. And they came back to the game and um, one of the guys was like, oh, I I see what you did there. And it was just pretty funny to me that, number one, he made that comment full and well knowing what he was doing. And someone was like, just don't acknowledge it. Don't, Don't acknowledge it. But the guy, the guy came on and he uh, kept talking about it as well. So I, I, I kind of thought it was, I, I bet he's had that in his back pocket for weeks or may, maybe even more, maybe years. He's like, all right, whenever someone throws 400, whenever Rogers gets to 420 or whoever does anything, I'm going to mention this. I'm going to mention this. I'm going to mention this. And he's been waiting for so long just to say it. And I bet he's been telling everybody that he's going to say it. So, I, you know, kudos on him. Patience paid off. He got the line in. But uh, I, I bet that's something he's had in his back pocket for a long time. He's just been waiting. Uh, we've talked about all the rookies, but someone else got their first win of the season, and that was the New York Giants in overtime of all places. Or no, yes, were they yeah. in overtime as well? Yeah, they it was an over. They won in overtime uh, against the Saints. Yep, in New Orleans. Yeah, so, so. Daniel Jones' first four hundred yard game, probably the best game of his career. Um, upset New Orleans. I don't know what to make in New Orleans. They, you know, they're not bad. They might not be great, but they're tough. They they kill Green Bay. They get killed by uh, Carolina. You know, they kill New England and they lose to the Giants at home. I I don't know. I think it's perfect. And now it's just Jameis Winston, right? I think even when he plays more conservatively and doesn't turn the ball over as much, his teams are still so up and down. It's like wherever Jameis Winston goes, his team embodies his personality. I, I don't know what to make of this New Orleans team. I don't think anybody does, but i just like to shout out the Giants, Daniel Jones, uh, Joe Judge, and the family. Uh, good job. I, I was, uh, that game shocked me. I, I, I sure didn't pick that to be the one of the winners, but uh, that, that one shocked me. Uh, what also has shocked me, it shouldn't because it's been going on, is the Bills are just flat out steamrolling every, I know they're playing bad teams, but they're like, you know, they say, oh, good teams should win the tough games, but they should, you know, blow out the bad teams. Well, they're blowing out the bad teams. They haven't necessarily beaten the good teams yet, but they've blown out all the bad teams. 
Yeah, they've overwhelmed. I mean, they beat Miami 35 to nothing. They killed Washington 43 to 21, I think. And then they just demolished Houston 40 to nothing. I, I mean, that's like Alabama, what Alabama or Georgia does in the SEC. That's you just don't see that in the NFL, that level of consistency. I mean, they're winning their last three wins are 40 to seven is the average score. That's just staggering. Every game in the NFL is usually pretty close it blows my mind that they're able to do this now like you said they're not playing the best opponents you know they play uh, kansas city this coming week sunday night that'll tell us how good i think both teams are real litmus think, test yeah I, I think through through four weeks after, after overcoming the disappointment to losing to pittsburgh buffalo has shown that hey last year was not an anomaly we're an elite team we've got talent everywhere on both sides of the ball and i think you know i think it'll continue the rest of the year i've been surprised by how good they've been Another surprise, though, is Sam Darnold. And just a quick shout-out. We mentioned it a few weeks ago uh, that he wasn't the problem. It was probably Adam Gase or the Jets as a whole. Hey, he's still he lost, but he's still looking really good. And I just wanted to say, I think he's back. I think he's not back because he was never there. I think he's finally gotten to the level he needs to be at. Oh, it, it's a perfect fit. I mean, he's, you know, funny thing. He has the record for rushing touchdowns for a quarterback in the first four starts of the season with five, right? This year, he had two against Dallas. He also threw for two touchdowns, had a couple turnovers, but otherwise played pretty darn well. I mean, the guy has found a great fit uh, in in, uh, in Carolina. He's got DJ Moore at wide receiver. Christian McCaffrey will come back. Robbie Anderson, you know, is a big play guy. Uh, they got uh, – Tommy Trimble as a young tight end, who's kind of filling in, doing a good job there. So I, I think they're making big leaps with Darnold. I think Darnold is just a different guy. It's it's really, really hard to imagine considering how bad he was with the Gase, uh, Adam Gase in New York. But he's been awesome with Carolina, and Carolina is very excited to have him. I mean, they're, they're, they're actually a legit contender with Sam Darnold behind center. I mean, who would have ever said those words after the last few years? I know. But a team, unfortunately, that would love to have Sam Darnold behind center Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, they are not looking too hot. And this stat I have heard, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. I wonder, I say, this could finally be the year. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's not really Tomlin's fault. It's the fact that Ben Roethlisberger, you know, can't move. I love all the talk in the offseason that he had lost all that weight and had limbered up and was going to be like a 20-something-year-old rolling around back there making all kinds of big plays. I feel like the guy can't take three steps without falling down. You can't put a body that big under that much punishment for so long and think, hey, you know, I'm getting my 30s, getting close to 40s. Uh, maybe I should clean some stuff up and then I'll be fine. I think it might even be in his 40s. Yeah, but, 15, um, 15 years of Bud Lights and uh, chicken wings. I mean, there's only so much you can do to get rid of that, and he hasn't gotten rid of it. I mean, it's been he's been bad. I mean, he hasn't been good. Pittsburgh hasn't been good. So he's not even hurt anymore, so you can't blame no. it on that like they did last year. Oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. He needs surgery. Oh, now he lost the weight. Right. Well, he's back again. He's still not good. So, yeah, I, I think he will not have a winning season this season. No, I, I don't. I agree with you there. I don't think they're going to be very good. Maybe six, seven wins at most. Uh, very briefly, I just like to acknowledge that I support uh, Baltimore's choice at the end of the game to keep the rushing record alive we tied it and now next year week we're trying to beat it but that's such a long that's 40 some odd games to invest into this i don't care if it's at the end of the game and i don't care who it is if they're losing i hope they go for it uh it that it would be a shame for the offensive linemen the running backs and lamar himself 
if they didn't try to keep that streak alive, I think that's a great move by Harbaugh. Keep the morale of the team, players first. Uh, whatever fallout comes, you know, afterwards, uh, the co- their coach gets upset or whatever the case is. I liked Harbaugh's response. Well, I don't remember there being a 16-point play in football, so why did they go for it with 30 seconds left in the game? So, but the uh, Broncos head coach, uh, Fangio, was not pleased that they did that. Right, so there's a couple things for, for those, of this, those of you listening. So uh, Baltimore has just tied uh, the Pittsburgh teams in the 70s for most consecutive 100-yard rushing games in NFL history, with 43 or 44, whatever it is now. And late in the game, right, Baltimore had 97 yards rushing. The game's over. There's 10 seconds left. Baltimore has the football after an interception, and they run a play with Lamar Jackson. They get five yards, get the record, or tie the record. Not really a huge deal. I've got two points to this. So the first thing is, if you're going to do that, if you're Baltimore, why are you letting Lamar Jackson run the ball? Yeah, give it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else, right? The last thing you want, especially after the flip in Kansas City and how everyone's heart stopped for two seconds. Hey, look, give the ball to a running back. Give the ball to a receiver on some kind of speed sweep. Don't risk Lamar Jackson. But the second thing, right, is so I remember a game and I played. It was in high school, and uh, it was a playoff game. And we, we had clinched the game. We were up by double digits with 10 seconds left. We were taking a knee to win the game. And I was, you know, I was the center and I snapped the ball and, you know, you're kind of, everyone's kind of taking it easy and two safeties got like a 10 yard head start and they just sprinted like before the snap, timed it up really well. And as I like step into the nose guards, we kind of just like, Hey, last play, just like thud it up. I get absolutely depleted by these jokers. Like they two just run full blow into me from like a 10 yard head start and send me flying. And I was so pissed. Because I was like, the game's over, dude. You lost. Go home. Why are you doing this? So I can understand why, you know, from the from the uh, Denver side and Fangio side, because no one wants to be that guy. No one wants to be the guy when the game's over. You're you're taking unnecessary shots. Someone gets hurt or someone gets dinged up. So I can understand where Fangio is like, look, I told my guys to, you know, not blitz. I could have played a goal line defense and and try to blow up Lamar Jackson, but I wasn't going to be that guy. Is there a but- way to like unceremoniously like? agree to let him walk the ball set amount of yards yeah no it's actually so brett Favre, when he it was a long time ago and michael strahan was trying to get the single season sack record the game was over final game of the season and brett Favre basically slid into strahan for the record you know just gave him the record so it it's happened before people don't really like it i mean i've got no problem with with baltimore doing it you know i just think don't do it with the quarterback because yeah. no no defensive coach in their right mind wants to take an unnecessary cheap shot at the quarterback because then everyone gets mad at them. No defensive player either. Um, but and so I've got no problem if Baltimore lines up in a power formation and runs it with Murray or, or Bell or whoever and tries to get three or four yards. That's fine. Um, but I mean, as much as I, I think that Fangio has a little bit of a point, you know, you lost the game by 16 at home. So don't lose by 16 at home if don't you don't want to complain. give up the interception at the end, and we'd never be in that situation. Yeah, so I think, you know, focus on winning first, and, you know, everything else will kind of take care of itself. Uh, we'll briefly go over this because we already kind of touched on it, but uh, the 49ers had two devastating injuries at Trent Williams. Going down is huge for that offensive line. He's probably the best offensive lineman out there. And then Jimmy G also went down, but the reports say he may be back. So jury's out on whether or not that's going to be a problem. But uh, that, those are two losses that, uh, if prolonged, can really wreck their season. 
Yeah, I mean, San Francisco just has the injury bug. Last year, they were really hurt. Uh, I think the year before that, they had some a few injuries too. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2018. 2019, they were healthy. They went to the Super Bowl. 2020, last year, they were hurt pretty bad. They only won six games, I think, six or seven games. It's tough. I mean, they, they need Garoppolo back more than Trent Williams. But Trent Williams, I mean, in, in our top five where we ranked O-Lyman, he was number one on my list. The guy is a great left tackle, great run blocker, great pass blocker. I mean, I, I, you know, check out that episode where, I, where we talk about him a good bit. I think missing him is really big, especially since they're not deep at running back. He gives them so much flexibility. Yeah, I'm not sure it's already out for the season. Yeah, so it, it's it's both of them are big injuries, obviously, but I got to feel bad for San Francisco and their fans because that's tough to go back-to-back years with major injuries. You know, Trust at, at me, I, I know full and well what it's like to uh, lose a starting left tackle like that, but um. Well, they can still they can still power on, like you said, as long as Jimmy G's good. Yeah, well, as, as Garoppolo, if Garoppolo plays, they can win games. You know, I think, yeah. in which I think he will. I think he'll come back soon. Now, rounding out our uh, weekly review segment, there's a few acquisitions that happened. Uh, I will talk about two of them briefly, and I'll let you get into the last one because I have a question for you. Uh, one, Jamie Collins has done his yearly get paid big bucks by another team, play poorly, and then get traded or get cut back to New England and where he performs like a superstar. Then the cycle repeats itself. He goes to Bill and is like, hey, Bill, I want, you know, 20 million a year. And Bill's like, ah, just go somewhere else and then you'll be right back afterwards. And he'll be like, okay. So, you know, Browns, Lions, uh, there's another team in there that I'm not thinking of. But, uh, He's he's done it multiple times and he always comes back to New England for a couple of years afterwards. He's back. Uh, the New England also, uh, Stephon Gilmore started off the year on the PUP list, uh, and somehow there's some miscommunication. They said he was cut, he was released, and then I guess the paperwork hadn't gone through and they might have gotten an offer. Now he has officially been traded to the Carolina Panthers. So that defense we talked about that was good, Sam Darnold. They get a little bit better if Gilmore isn't even a sliver of what he was because he was a pretty good lockdown corner. Yep. Finally, this is into your neck of the woods. Jalen Smith was cut by the Cowboys, or his contract was terminated. He was released. They lost a substantial amount of money eating on that contract. It was like a, like $16 million or something like that. Uh. Is there a problem? Is there a reason why they decided to cut him? Yeah, so he, he had a great year in 2018, took a step back in 2019. It was terrible last year in 2020. He's been a rotational player this year. The fact of the matter is he is not as good as his contract, not even close, right? You know, they have Micah Parsons. They got Keanu Neal, who's back healthy. Leighton Van Der Esch, they kind of like more as a short-term, you know, Mike linebacker kind of guy. Um they got Jabril Cox as another guy in the linebacker rotation, a young guy, rookie out of LSU that they they really like. So I think what this comes down to is it just isn't a good fit, right? You're paying a guy a lot of money. You're not going to play him very much. I think it's easier for the team, the organization, to just get rid of him now. I think he's a character guy. I think he's a good guy. I just think, you know, in their mind, they're like, look, let's see who we have at some of these other linebacker positions, like a Jabril Cox or, or you know, get Keanu Neal more reps and obviously Micah Parsons. You know, why are we giving this guy reps, you know, when we could take away from developing another young player? You know, let's cut him now. Let's develop the young player. And, you know, if they cut him in the offseason, they'd have to eat the money anyway. Well, is this indicative of any way? They must not. 
They must have at least tried to trade him. Oh, I think they did, right? I think his contract was just so bad, right? I think they tried to trade him in the offseason, right? There were stories that they were trying to dump him, but it's just, it was so bad. It's kind of the opposite of the Gilmore situation where Gilmore was hurt and definitely didn't want to play in New England. And so New England was trying to trade Gilmore, but everyone wanted Gilmore, but they all knew Gilmore didn't want to be in New England. So it's hard to make a trade there. The exact opposite was in Dallas. No one wanted, uh, Jalen wanted to be in Dallas, but nobody wanted Jalen outside of Dallas. So they couldn't, they couldn't find a way to trade him. So they just cut him to get rid of it and just move on. Uh, and, and, you know, look, I think it's a, I think it's the right move, right? The team is playing pretty well. They've got a lot of young guys on defense, keep that momentum going and save some cap for the long term, right? Cause it allows them to maybe make a, a big signing in the off season at another position of need or, or lock up a young guy who's been playing pretty well. Well, that makes sense. So we'll see. Um, I think that's all I have on our highlights and weekly review. Any yeah. other topics you thought we should talk about? No, I think that was good. I think we hit all the big ones there. I mean, it's it's hard to come up with so many with all the Urban Meyer stories and all that going on. I know, but, it's uh, just dominated the news cycle for yeah, so long. Got to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want to warm me up a little bit before we get into our deep dive topic this week? Hit me with a little trivia action. All right, I got you. So here we go. You're going to have five seconds to answer. Uh. And then if you need a hint, I'll give you a hint, and then you'll have three seconds to answer. So this is a little bit dated question, but I think you get this, and it, we'll get this, and it's in line with our deep dive topic this week. So here we go. So last weekend, the Jacksonville Jaguars have tied the second longest losing streak in the NFL at 19 games. What is the longest losing streak in NFL history or what team has a longest losing streak in NFL history, I should say. I know probably who it is. All right. One so of two I'll, teams I'm thinking. I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you Let two me quick... give you I'll give you my first guess and if it's not that then you can give me a hint. Okay. Is sure, it the ahead. Lions? No. So the Lions that's close. It's a good guess because of how bad Detroit was a few years ago. So this is a team, this was, this happened in the 1970s and it was an expansion franchise. And this team is feeling pretty good nowadays though. That's my hint. Three. Was it two, Baltimore? One. No. So uh, this is the Tampa Bay Bucks, right? When they were an expansion franchise in 1976, they went 0-14 and then 77, they went 0-12 to start the year. So they have the NFL record. 26 straight losses, uh, which okay. hasn't been met yet. And we'll, we'll see if Urban and the Jaguars can uh, can accomplish that feat this season, see if they can tie or break that one. Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I uh, heard that one. So that's good. Get to learn. I was thinking them or the, the Lions or the Browns, but the Browns probably were close, but they got like a random win in there one year. So kind of probably like broke the cycle. Yeah, they yeah they had they have like three different fifteen losses in a row streaks. They, they had wins at just enough times to avoid a really bad streak. But you uh, alluded to it. Our deep dive topic this week: Do teams give up or tank uh, when off to a bad start or having a bad season? Uh, so I guess we're saying: Does a team is that a real thing? Yeah. So. so- you want to start? Yeah, I'll get us going. So in my experience, it absolutely is, right? And I think it's not quite what you think in terms of giving up, but I've been on plenty of bad teams, at least in the college level. Um, 
where there is definitely an attitude shift, right? And you're very competitive and you still want to win and you're trying to win games, but there is a little bit of self-preservation. And what I mean by that is a lot of people don't understand, you know, at college and another layer of magnitude higher in the NFL, how much football season sucks, right? It's a lot of practice. It's a lot of lifting. It's a lot of running. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. You're worn out all of the time. Well, I can attest you were gone for three to four hours a day at at least one time. That's not counting like meetings and things like that you had earlier on the day, but for practice, you're gone forever. Oh yeah. And it just, and it's really mentally and physically strenuous stuff. Like this isn't, you know, light work by any means. And you, you miss all your weekends and you, you have that kind of thing going on while everybody else is doing other things. Now, obviously NFL, that's their job. So it's a little different, but it still wears on the psyche. So I mean, it really does wear you down and bog teams down. So if a team starts off slow, you do definitely see that sort of, okay, let me wind down my mentality a little bit and kind of prepare myself for the off season uh, prepare myself if I get cut or traded or, or things like that. That doesn't mean play, players still play the same level of hard and coaches still coach at the same level of hard and they still want to win games and they're still competing, but it's just a different attitude. When you're a contender, you know, you're just, you're doing whatever you can to, you know, win that big playoff game or get to the playoff game or, 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 or win that big rivalry game or something like that. When you're not a contender, it's a little bit more of, okay, if we lose or if we don't win or, you know, whatever, all right, let's, let's focus more long-term on the future and, yeah. you know, staying healthy and, and, and thinking about the off season, whereas the contenders are all about now. We have a same, same, but different approach to this question. Uh, I said they absolutely do tank. Teams do. Not the whole team, though. I think coaches and players have too much riding to actually physically tank. Their jobs are on the line. Uh, paychecks are on the line. Playing into contract years, no player's going to tank going into a contract year. They're going to try to get all the stats that they can. Who does tank, in my opinion, is the front office. And like you said, they get prepared for the next season. They will start to Jacksonville, Texans, trade away, keep Texans did it completely wrong, but they still did it. Trade away key pieces to try to position themselves through draft or in salary cap words, position themselves in a better position for the following year. Like uh, Jacksonville traded away all these pieces. Uh, you got Miles Jacks that, that left, Leonard Fournette left, a, a ton of pieces on that uh, AFC championship team got picked apart the very next season uh they they knew they need to get uh move on from Blake Bortles he wasn't the answer so they just try to position themselves to get to the Trevor Lawrence spot that they're in now uh the Texans failed because they trade really good players for absolutely nothing so that's crazy and then they trade two draft picks for a relatively high-end left tackle but that's that was a lot of two first round picks for Laramie Tunzel seems like a reach to me, but uh, what they do they trade players for draft capital, uh, they're not giving their teams the best chance to win, you know, and they try to if they feel the bad season coming on, maybe mitigate damage done to their job by saying look what I did I traded said player for said amount of draft picks or said other player. And then they can say, but this coach isn't winning. I, I've gotten us this, you know, we're not doing good, but the reason I did that is because the coach hasn't been winning. 
This is why I do that. Um, and I think it's crazy. I th- I go back to there's a week, because near the end of the season, teams rest their starters all the time, especially if they're not going to make it. Uh, and that really screws up the playoff picture for a lot of other teams. Teams are counting continuously on those week 16, week now, week 17 games uh, that to get into the playoffs, they need X to lose, this team to win, this team to lose. And if you're resting your players, that's not going to happen. And so, in response to this, and I want to run these by you, I read this great article, and it was by... Fansided, I think I've used them before. Go them. Fansided, the uh, authority on all NFL, obviously. Everyone knows who that is. But they had some ideas on how to counteract tanking by GMs and by teams. And I thought they were very interesting. I'm going to run them by you. Tell me what you think, okay? First one is one that is used in other sports. Draft lottery. It's the least enticing to me, but the final four... um. The 14 worst teams that season are eligible to be entered into this draft lottery. And then they lottery off the first four picks of the draft to those teams. That way, um, you can't. there's no reason to tank. If you're in the bottom 14 echelon, there's no reason to go lower. There's no incentive to try to be the worst team. You know, 0-17 isn't going to get you anything. So you try to do as good as you can as as long as you're in that 14-game or 14-team block. What do you think about that idea? Yeah, so I think the one difference, so obviously the NBA uses the draft water. I think the difference between the NBA and the NFL is how big injuries play a role. Yeah. Right? I, I think uh, we talked about San Francisco earlier, and I remember a few, a few years ago when Romo got hurt, and then they, you know, this was a team that won 12 games. Romo gets hurt. They lose 12 games. So they get a top-five pick in Elliott's, and they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. So that's something where, well, the team had a lot of injuries. That's why they were that bad. They weren't really that bad of a team. I think with the lottery, you know, an NBA, you're trying to discourage some of that tanking because, you know, injuries don't play as much of a role, smaller rosters, you know, it's easier to bench players in the NFL because injuries play such a big factor. A lot of times, I mean, sometimes really bad teams record wise actually have a lot of talent. They just didn't play or they had a rough schedule or they lost a lot of close games. I mean, good example is look at, I think, uh, like the Colts, right? The Colts are one and three, and they have a really good roster. They just had injuries to Wentz and uh, to Leonard and to Quentin Nelson to overcome, and, and it just hasn't gone well bad, for them. You know, like I get it, but in a sense, there, I mean, there, yeah, there are a couple teams that that happened to. I think their point is, yeah, that stuff happened, but there's also other stuff that blatantly happens that cutting down of every player on the Texans, the trimming of the Jacksonvilles, the ineptitude of the Browns. You know, the there's these things where the Browns, they suck for a long time, a lot of high f- top five picks, but look where they are now. They're one good quarterback away from having a great team because they have so many first-round picks that they've added into their repertoire. But I think and ideas like this, not the lottery one, I'm not. that's not the one I'm the most interested in, but... It it kind of hurts the competitiveness of the league. Uh, the second one I'll run by you. Now, this one is very different. The whole season's the same. The final four games of the season, they are the indicators of your draft position. 
Playoff teams are not included in this. But because uh, obviously they, they're going to go on. But for the final four games of the season, you move up in the draft order if you win, and you move down in the draft order if you lose. So if you were at number four and you win four games, you move up to number one, and so on. I kind of like that, except maybe a little different twist, right? Because you never know how the schedule's going to work out. And so a team that was really bad all year, trying to get a number one overall pick. They play a playoff team that's resting their starters, so they're able to get a few easy wins. How about this as a little twist, right? How about you take the bottom four teams, and they have to play each other in a playoff? That gets me to my final point. Perfect that you brought that up. What more does the NFL like more than anything else than being able to market more football? Yeah. (laughs) The worst eight teams in the league compete in a single elimination bracket-style playoff to determine the top eight draft picks. Yeah, I think that's great, right? Do it on Obviously, do it on Thursday night. Don't let it conflict with the regular playoffs at all, Thursday or Wednesday night. But I think that's great. I, th- I kind of like that, right? And I think the teams will like that, too, because it gives them more. Imagine, like, Zach Wilson and Jen- uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, competing and getting more game reps and things like that. And it kind of puts you on the same playing field. If it's the worst eight teams... You feel like, hey, I got a shot, you know. I can play Tennessee. I can play uh, the Giants. I can play uh, Jags. I can play the Jets. It's any one of those teams, you know. I I guess the one thing you have to worry about is guys like Bill Belichick or whatever, you know, if they're not going to make the playoffs. Tanking to the bottom eight to somehow try to get in there for the first round pick. It makes things a little bit trickier, you know. Yeah, it definitely does. No, I like it. That's a good idea. I think that definitely would be good. I think – I think the NFL could get behind that, right? I think it would be a good way too if they did it smart. They could go to smaller markets, you know, and play the games, you know, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think it's it has some legs. Will they ever do it? Uh, maybe you never know I, if they you know get the idea. You know what? Because they always talk about the preseason is to give the young guys reps. <clears throat> get rid of the preseason and play these extra games at the end for the bad teams. They still get the young guys reps, right? Because you're still playing the games. But we get rid of preseason, and we get more real games at the end that actually contribute to something. Oh, yeah. And it has no negative consequences. If you have a pretty good team, you're not going to subject yourself to injury. You're going to have a safe safe draft spot. But if you're the worst eight teams in the league, you know, the top ten picks, they could – I don't see why you wouldn't – I don't know why you wouldn't want to battle. Even from two to one is a huge difference. Yeah. But can you imagine, though, the starting quarterback of one of those bad teams, right? Because number one overall pick is usually a job. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he tanks he's to s- number eight. You got to keep me, guys. Yeah. That's exactly. Those eight picks. It's like, hey, I'm sorry. There's no quarterbacks left at eight. You know, you know, whereas like, you know, you had Sam Dardle last year would have been trying to, you know, win, win these playoff games, these, these, these sort of playoff games to, to get his Jets number one so they could draft Trevor Lawrence to, to replace him. I mean, that would be pretty wild. But I just thought those were some pretty cool ideas. No, that is a good way to think about it. It's really good. I like that. Um, Any more on the subject? No, I think think that's good, man. I think we're ready to move on to worst to first. All right. I think uh, you started last week. I will start this week, and then you can start your top five first, okay? And we are going from bottom up, so our worst team to first team. Yep. We have the NFC South this week. And now 
I'm going to make a lot of people angry. In the number four spot, I have the New Orleans Saints. They had a fluke win week one to the um, Green Bay Packers. They lost to the Giants, who suck. And you can't tell me you lose to the Giants. I haven't seen anything else out of them. Like, they've really not been that all that impressive outside of week one. Uh, and the offense was bad against the Giants. They were just bad. So I have them there. And I have the Falcons in my number three spot because the Falcons have lost a lot of close games to a lot of good teams. Uh, they did beat the Giants. So that's my indicator there. That's my uh, reason to move them slightly up. They won. They lost a very close game to Washington, who I think is a good team, and I think questions are out on their quarterback, whether he's the answer or not. But I think the roster as a whole, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is tough. Uh, their front four is pretty good. Uh, their safeties are pretty good. I'm not really sure on their corners. I don't know who they are off the top of my head. But uh, they're, they always play teams tough, Washington does, and... The Falcons played them tough. I, I think the Falcons are just a slightly better team than the Saints. We'll see here soon because I'm sure they're going to play each other um, here soon. But that's who I have in my number three spot. Uh, now, as I have the Giants as our defining factor, there's another team that is my defining factor in the two and the one spot. My number two team is the Carolina Panthers. They have had a great season so far, but they lost to the Cowboys. There's another team who's obviously in number one who beat the Cowboys. And other than that, you know, that's the difference. So the Panthers, they beat a lot of bad teams, mediocre teams, uh, and then they played a good team who I would consider the Cowboys to be a good team, and they lost. Number one, the Buccaneers. They've played a lot of tough teams. The only team they've lost to is a team that I thought was possibly the best team in the NFC. And the Rams, they lost kind of ugly game to them. But they beat the Cowboys at the beginning of the season. I don't know if it would go that same way now. But they did beat the Cowboys at the beginning of the season, who's a good team. Uh, they battled through emotional uh, tundra and tons of rain in New England gutted that win out they've just i think they're the best of this division it's a tough division the top two teams are really good but uh that's that's what i got yeah i think i agree with you a lot of it um i i think the where where we differ i've got atlanta at four for really two reasons their defense is bad really bad and they've been bad for a while to the point where i i can't trust them to be any sort of quality team because they're a bottom five defense in the nfl year in and year out you know, the, we all, the joke is, right, Atlanta is always going to blow the leads. Well, the reason is because their defense stinks, right? They gave up 45 to Tampa. They gave up 34 to uh, Washington. The Giants moved the ball all over them, even though they didn't score a whole lot, right? They got dominated by Philly week one. So I, I, this, a defense, this Atlanta defense is really bad. And I also want to bring up Kyle Pitts, right, the phenom from Florida. Like, the, he has 15 catches and no touchdowns in four games. Guy hasn't been productive. It's not making any big plays. It's supposed to be an elite guy. I think for me with Atlanta, they don't have the weapons, right? Matt Ryan is still a good quarterback. I think their offense is still good. Without the dynamic firepower of like a guy like Pitts was supposed to bring in that really bad defense, I think they're the worst team in that division. Uh, number three is New Orleans. 
I don't know what to make of New Orleans. I already talked about it. How can they dominate Green Bay? You know, then get absolutely dominated by Carolina, run all over the Patriots, and then get physically beat up, give up a lead, and lose in overtime to a bad Giants team. I don't understand it. I think it's Jameis Winston's up and down is, is translated into the entire roster. I think they're going to be an up and down team all year. I, I put them at number three. I don't think they're a playoff team. I think they're a roller coaster, but I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, number two is Carolina. This is a physical team. I was very impressed with their toughness and physicality. Um, they're not as talented on defense as they're kind of made out to be. They were averaging, uh, giving up 45 yards per game. Dallas ran for 240, right? They kind of got ran over a little bit. Dallas got five sacks on that offensive line. But we talked about Darnold. I mean, the guy has turned it around. He can run the ball effectively. He's been a weapon in the red zone. He threw for a lot of yards and threw for two scores. He's taking a little bit better care of the football. He's scoring a lot of points for the team. I think Carolina's a playoff team. I think they got a chance to win 10, 11 games and maybe sneak into the playoffs, um, especially when Christian McCaffrey gets back and that becomes a oh, whole yeah. more dynamic offense. Uh, number one, I mean, just like you, it's Tampa. I mean, look, they 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 fought through the emotional turmoil, like you said, of, of playing in New England Nine with Brady's games. return. I just think that they outclassed New England in terms of talent on both sides of the ball. I, I think they're just so deep everywhere. I mean, Richard Sherman adds another layer. Obviously, they've had injuries in the secondary, but they're getting guys they're great at linebacker. And Dominican Sue and Vita Vade in the middle are just the best defensive tackle pairing probably in the NFL. They've got a good, tough offensive line, multiple running backs, great at receiver, obviously Brady. I honestly am curious if Brady takes a step back this year because eventually it has to happen, right? I mean, he can't physically maintain this level of play indefinitely. So I think, you know, I think Tampa could potentially, after they lost to uh, the Rams and the way they played against New England, I wonder if this offense is maybe declining a little bit, but I still think they're the class in the division. Um, and I still think they win the division. So I guess to recap mine, I got Tampa at one, Carolina at two, New Orleans at three, and then Atlanta at four. And I was the same except Falcons at three and New Orleans at four. So I will be honest with you, our, our top five this week, uh, we chose to do the top five non-rookie worst players, and worst starters in the NFL right now. I'll be honest with you, this one was kind of tough for me to get the right amount of stats versus eye test versus to make decisions. And uh, I'll let you go first with yours, and then I'll do mine. And uh, I just want to see if we overlap at all. Yeah, definitely. So, all right, so top five worst players in the NFL, they have to have significant playing time and non-rookies. So my number five is Daniel Sorensen. He's a safety for Kansas City. Look, this this guy plays on a bad defense. Kansas City has second most points given up in the NFL. They got absolutely torched by Philly. They didn't they didn't force a punt against Philly the entire game. And Philly is a decent offense, but not a great offense by any means. You know, I love watching Kansas City games because they talk about Sorensen about oh they like putting him in the box. You know, to support the run. The reason they put him in the box to support the run is because he sucks in coverage, right? It's liability in coverage. The, obviously, with the money and the talent they have in all other positions, they have to you know, have weaknesses somewhere. Safety is one of them. And they have Daniel Sorensen is definitely the biggest weakness there at safety because they got to they gotta play Matthew. Or they got to pay Matthew. So they, they put Daniel Sorensen, they try and hide him, but he stinks. He's not very good. Uh, number four, Inkeel Harry for the New England Patriots. 
This guy was a first round pick. This was the guy that they drafted when they still had Brady as a way. Hey, we're supporting you. Here's going to be a stud wide receiver to help you in kill Harry. I mean, the guy has 46 career catches and he has one catch this year for 10 yards in four games. He gets significant playing time without actually appearing to even play the game. Like the guy is just not good as a wide receiver. Maybe he's a great blocker or something. I don't know, but he's, he's my number four worst player in the NFL. Number three, I'm going to pick on him a little bit. And that's Jared Goff. I don't know how, but he's had some of the wackiest turnovers to start the year in the NFL, right? He had the, the loose football, like when he just dropped the ball against green Bay on Monday night, he had that crazy snap fumble where he was walking up to the center and the shotgun snap uh, bounced off his chest and went into the, uh, the Chicago bears defenders arms. I mean, it's just blooper reel. And the real knock against golf is how good the Rams and Stafford had been with him gone. Cause it's essentially the same offense, right? Everything is the same with the Rams, except they change quarterbacks and it's a completely different team. So to me, that's telling me, Hey, picking on golf here, you were the problem, man. They got rid of you. They're a lot better. That's why I have, have him at number three, number two, I'm going in with another quarterback. I'm going Jacoby Brissett, right? He starts in Miami now. Now, this is a guy, I don't get it. Wherever he goes and teams play him, the teams immediately decide that they want to get another guy. So he played in New England, right, was a backup. New England shipped him off to Indianapolis, right? Andrew Luck gets hurt, so they, they play Brissett. They're so bad, so they bring in Phillip Rivers, right? So after Phillip Rivers is gone, like, okay, we got Brissett. Do we want to even maybe go with Brissett? He's had a few years to develop. They think about it for five seconds, and they're like, uh, no, we're getting Carson Wentz. So they ship him off to Miami. So he goes to Miami with Tua. We're like, well, do we, you know, Tua's not playing great. Do we want to stick with Tua? Do we want to play Brissett? Uh, no, we're, we're, we're keeping Brissett on the bench. Tua gets hurt. I mean, the guy comes in and he actually stinks so bad. I think he's averaging like five yards in a tenth, which if it's not the worst in the NFL, it's pretty close. I mean, Brissett, everywhere he goes, teams immediately decide we want a different quarterback. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, my worst player in the NFL is any quarterback that's coached by Adam Gase. Fair right. Enough. I, I, th- I think at this point we've decided after watching Darnold that any poor coach or any, any poor quarterback that has to be coached by Gase is just going to be, have a world of hurt. Ryan Tannehill had issues with Gase in Miami. He goes to Tennessee. He's a much better player. We've seen what's ha- We've seen what's happening with Darnold. I don't know how, but Adam Gase ruins quarterbacks. So any player who's the coaches uh, plays under coach Adam Gase, you're going to be the worst quarterback and probably the worst player in the NFL, according to my list. Beware. Yeah. So I know normally we like to have a uh, underrated uh, worst player or underrated player in our top five. I felt it would have been mean to uh, throw in an underrated worst player. So I just kept it to five this time. I'll see what you have to say. Okay. But going going from uh, one to five back down, my worst player is any quarterback coached by Adam Gase. Number two is Jacoby Brissett. Number three is Jared Goff. Number four is Inkeel Harry. And number five is Daniel Sorensen. All right. Uh, we did not necessarily overlap, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, so shuffling best because I wrote mine in a different order than you. Starting from the bottom, okay, five would be my best worst player and number one being my worst worst player, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, my best worst player uh. DB for Kansas City, Shavarius Ward, same breath as Sorensen, 
Uh, he ranked 101 out of 109 in pass coverage, which is pretty bad. Uh, he ranked 63 out of 95 in run defense. He plays for Kansas City. They have a terrible secondary. They get burnt all the time. Uh, it's just embarrassing when they're out on the field, to be honest with you. Um, I pick on myself. I can be uh, unbiased sometimes like that. And my number four slot, I have Alejandro Villanueva for Baltimore. I am specifically, he played, he had one great game at left tackle, but when he was not at left tackle, he was awful. He's a decent run blocker. But that's pretty easy when you're blocking with Lamar Jackson behind the ball. He makes everybody look like a good run blocker. Uh, but he's an atrocious pass blocker. And he has tied second in the NFL this season. He's allowed three sacks in four games, which is pretty bad. So he also allowed like numerous pressures. And he used to play for the Steelers. So even though he's on my team, I feel like I need to uh, say that he sucks. So uh, he's much better at left tackle, but when he's at right tackle, he was terrible. Probably the worst player on the field. I couldn't wait for him to get off the field fast enough. Uh, in my number three spot, I have uh, Uchina Nuoso for the Chargers. Uh, he is ranked dead last out of all edge defenders. I don't really know what to say other than he is terrible at everything. I think he's made like one splash play, but he is bad at the run. He's bad in the pass, and he's bad in pressure, getting QB pressure. He's just terrible as a player. And that's kind of the theme of the rest of this list. In my number two spot, I have Alex Anzalone, a linebacker for Detroit, 74 out of 81 of all linebackers. Terrible run defender. He's an average pass rusher, but he's the worst coverage linebacker in the entire NFL grades-wise. He is just... I watched him when Baltimore played Detroit. He was truly terrible. He was getting beat over the middle all night long. All of those big chunk passes up the middle were on his watch. He was actually a terrible player, and there's only one player that I think is worse than him in the NFL right now, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. He stinks. The guy's old, he's slow, and he sucks. He ranks second to last in all quarterbacks in every category. He's thrown four picks to only four touchdowns. He has negative three rushing yards. He has not good at running the ball anymore. He's not good at throwing the ball anymore. And like you said, he can't take two steps without tripping over his own two feet. Like, get him out of here. And I know... <sighs> Out of five guys, you're like, Andrew, you only have two people. One was a potential. He was a stealer. Now he's a Raven. You have one stealer on there. Tell me, you got to at least have one more. I did pick a six person because it's my underrated worst player. Minka Fitzpatrick for the Steelers. His sheer amount of regression that he has made from last year to this year is staggering. Mike Tomlin's this good defensive coach with the great defensive scheme. They have the zone blitz, all of this crazy stuff they do. And Minka Fitzpatrick was amazing last year. He stepped in and got like three picks really early on. Game changer on the back end. But this year, he has been an okay run defender, which isn't his job, so limited usage as a run defender. But he's literally a liability in coverage. He hasn't gotten 
any turnovers. I was just like, what happened from last year to this year? I don't get it. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good list. I love the Roethlisberger pick because he's been garbage. I agree with you 100%. Um, Fitzpatrick just blows my mind. How you can go from being worth two first-round draft picks or whatever, or first and second, wherever they traded for him, to being so bad. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't even thought about Fitzpatrick. I mean, really, that Pittsburgh team has probably been just a huge disappointment. Last yeah, if three your name's weeks. not TJ Watt, get off the field. And even he's been off the field. He's been hurt. Yeah, so maybe that's why he hasn't been on the list. There you go. I like it. It's a good list. I like it. That was a fun topic, man. That's kind of a different way to think about it, right? Trying to find because you got to find a player that is good enough to play but still stinks, which is hard because you're playing the NFL, right? But yeah. and if you stink, you typically aren't going to last too long. But some of these guys, they just don't have an option. Yeah, well, I feel like I've been watching Sorensen get beat deep for 28 years. Like I, I don't like, and I, we were on the same mindset with Kansas city secondary. They are so bad on the back end of that defense. They have, they have Tyron Matthew as a playmaker and then nobody else, but he's not great in coverage either. He just makes a few big picks here and there, but he's like, he gets burned just as often as he gets picks. Oh, definitely. But it's just, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a playmaker, you know, not really a every down, you know, lockdown defender, but yeah, they're they're bad on defense. They're bad. I'm glad we kind of saw that eye to eye. I was curious where you were going to go with some of these. That was good. That was a good topic. I like that. I thought it was. Yeah. Um, moving to our weekly pick'em. Um, would you like to? Well, you you cover the first one, and then I'll cover the one that you don't pick. Okay, so the game. I think the game of the week in a lot of people's eyes. It's Sunday night football. It's Bills Chiefs. Right, the Chiefs had the two-game losing streak there. They come back with the win uh, at Philly. It's a good win. They score forty, even though their defense was atrocious. And like we talked about, the Bills are killing everybody. Oh yeah. So I think the real challenge here is: can Mahomes take care of the football, and can Josh Allen keep up with Mahomes' offense? Because they're going to score points. Uh, Kansas City is going to score points. I think. Josh Allen has been inconsistent at times this year. They've relied on the running game from special teams and a lot of defense for a lot of their scoring. But the good news is he doesn't have to do a whole lot because Kansas City's secondary is so bad that he'll have a lot to take advantage of. I think it's a big game for Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley if you want to look for fantasy guys. I think they're going to put all kinds of yards. I, I think it all hinges on can Mahomes do a better job take care of the football. The guy has three picks in his last two games. You know, he had a really bad pick against Baltimore. You know, he hasn't done a great job. His offensive line is getting worse. I mean, they're, they're able to scheme and create uh, good concepts to move the ball and make big plays. And obviously Tyree Kill and Kelsey are still weapons. But I don't think they're quite as good as they used to be, right? They're having to do so much more. And I think the more you rely on a lot of that scheme and trick play stuff, especially early in the year, it, it wears down. It doesn't last forever. They're already two and two. You know, to me, this feels like a, a, a real statement loss and statement win for Buffalo, statement loss for Kansas City. I think this is a, I think Buffalo wins this game. I think they have a lot of momentum. I think they want revenge for uh, how they lost in the playoffs last year. I, I think Josh Allen is going to play well and torch that defense. And, and I don't trust Patrick Mahomes to take care of the football uh, the way he's played the last few weeks. I agree with you. So, who who are you gonna take in this one? Or so I got Buffalo. I got Buffalo winning this game. I agree with you. And even though he threw for a pretty solid five touchdowns last week, he still had a bad pick last week as well. 
And I, it's all of this, yeah, when they were young and fast and, you know, had a great O-line, like, yeah, you can do all these crazy no-look passes, but eventually no one does that stuff for a reason. Like, no one throws no-look passes or weird shuffle passes because eventually you're going to get picked off. You're going to get caught. People are going to be like, hey, be on your toes. Even if he's not looking at you, there's a chance he's going to throw it uh, if a guy's open. And people are jumping his no-look pass routes, and he had a bad pick last week as well. So uh, I'm glad we're on the same page on that one. I, I would agree with you uh, with the Bills. And our second game of the week, which is also a very big game, two great games this week, Browns versus the Chargers. The Browns and the Chargers are very interesting to me. I couldn't think of this earlier, but now that I see my notes, I remember what I was going to say about the Browns and the Chargers. If they traded quarterbacks, the Chargers could be a much worse team, and the Browns would be one of my picks to go to the Super Bowl with Justin Herbert under the helm. They would literally be unstoppable. But they don't. They have who they have. Now, do I pick the weapons and the defense, especially the pass rush of the Browns, and subpar quarterback play? Do I pick subpar weapons comparatively? The Chiefs or um, Chargers have pretty good weapons. Uh, Eckler's a beast. Uh, Allen's pretty good. Mike Williams pretty good. Uh, they don't necessarily have a tight end so much anymore. Henry's gone, but this guy, other guy has been so-so. Uh, do I take that with way above average quarterback play? Yeah, so and, for me, it's all about, and, and you bring up a great point, right? The teams are parallels of each other, right? Young former coordinators, head coaches, you got Stefanski in Cleveland, you've got uh, Staley in LA. I like Staley. I, you know, he's, he seems to be a really smart guy, really energetic guy. I think he's, he's got the whole organization on board and you see it right They're three and one good start to the year. Um, I think for me, I trust Herbert on sheer talent, playmaking leadership, basically every box that you want to check more than I trust Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I understand Baker Mayfield can get streaky and he's liable to go out there and, you know, 20 of 25 for 330 and three touchdowns and make us all look like idiots and win a couple of big games. I, I just don't see it. I think the Chargers are really, really good. They dominated a pretty good uh, Vegas team. They beat Kansas City in Kansas City. They lost a heartbreaker at uh, home against Dallas, who's turned out to be a decent team. The Chargers are a really good team. I, I think this is a, a, a statement win, as Buffalo was a statement. Buffalo beating Kansas City was a statement win for them. I think it's the same level for L.A. because Cleveland was a playoff team last year, right? They oh, yeah. won a playoff game. Everyone, you know, Baker's on TV. We hear a lot about the Miles Garrett, you know, Cleveland Browns. They seem to be on everybody's Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, you know, ESPN playoff, you know, darling. I think this is a statement win for the Chargers to come out and say, hey, we are a legitimate football team. We are a legitimate contender. And, and I, I think they win. I think they win decisively. Two in a row for them as well. They had a decisive win last week against the Raiders, uh, who t I, I was looking this up in my research. They have two top five pass rushers grade-wise for this season, Crosby and um, Nassib. Yep. Uh, Carl Nassib. They're both ranked pretty highly pass rush. Crosby's getting home quite a lot. I witnessed it week one, and I've seen it every time I watch them play. But they killed the Raiders. I think they can kill uh, the Browns if I think th this game gets out of hand if they're not careful. So yeah, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. You agree with what I'm saying. 
Um, I will give you my game to watch this week, underdog pick of the great game of the week. And I like to call this game the Retirement Bowl. This is the chance that Urban Meyer has. As much media attention, this game, the for me in my head, the level of gravitas built into this game is so important. If he loses this game to a Titans team that just lost to the Jets, it's like a bad team can beat the Titans. You have no more excuses. If he loses this game, his career is likely over in Jacksonville. Whether it's immediately or not, I do not know. But he has to redeem himself. Basically what I'm saying is if he comes out and wins this game, I feel like he's climbing back into the good graces of the organization. If he can come and find a way to get his nose to the grindstone, get back in the play drawing books, get a great scheme cooked up with all of his coordinators, and they go out and win this game, I don't even care if you win by an inch. You win this game, I think that goes a long way in your uh, not-so-heartfelt apologies to make them seem, hey, I'm not much of a speaker uh, as far as owning up to my uh, poor decisions, but what I do do is I know how to get back into the office and game plan and win games. So this is that's why I think this game is so big. That's why I say this game is so important. And it is literally the biggest game of the, the hit Trevor Lawrence's life. This is bigger than any national championship he has played in. But even so, I have the Titans by a mile. I think they're going to be Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. This is a big game for, for Urban Meyer. He, the team has to – if they come out and they get killed, I think Urban Meyer may not make it to Monday, right? If they lose 35-7 to 7 or something like that. Probably or, won't or, fly home with the team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He'll 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 have another reason not fly home to team. I I think it's uh, if the team comes out and looks like they've given up and they've they lost all faith in the coaching staff. I think they get rid of Urban Meyer. I think this is kind of his uh his Custer's last stand. They don't even necessarily have to win the game, but if they have a strong showing, even if they lose a close game or or at least play really well, then then I think he's okay. But if they come out and stink it up, then I I think he's done. Um, my kind of underdog pick of the week. This one's going to surprise you. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people. I got, I looked and I noticed Cincinnati is a three point home underdog to green Bay. Now I know it's green Bay and I know it's Aaron Rodgers. He's been on a tear. They've won three straight games. They've looked really good doing it, but Cincinnati has played well, right? Their only loss was when Burrow threw a three straight picks and was disastrous against Chicago. They dominated Chicago on both sides of the ball. They just had the turnovers, other, I mean, they're three and one outside of that. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think Burrow is averaging more than nine yards per passing attempt, right? They have a good offense. Jamar Chase, everyone thought he was a bust. You know, he, he, people were saying he couldn't he see the football. Yeah, he's played great. He's been a great deep threat. Looking like offensive rookie of the year. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's right up there, right? I think it's, in fact, yeah, I think he's probably the favorite, him and Mac Jones at this point. So I, I think this is a big sneaky game. And here's the other little secret here, right? Cincinnati has had, because they played Thursday night last week, they've had 11 days to prepare, Yeah. right? I think that gives them a little bit of an edge in this game. And, and you know, I think they surprised a lot of people. I, I, I would pick Cincinnati here. I think it's a, 
I think it's an aggressive pick, but I would not be surprised if they won this game, you know, 27 to 17, 24, 21, right? Because, you know, I, I think Green Bay, they're Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and then a bunch of guys. And I think Cincinnati's got a decent little core that they're building up. And I think they're going to move the ball in that Green Bay defense. And I think, uh, I think they're going to win the game. All right. Well, I don't necessarily agree with your choice of winner, but I do agree that I think Cincinnati is going to surprise them. Yeah. I do not like that Joe Burrow has fleshed out the way he has. I thought I wish he was more the first game of the season, less of the next three games because they're looking pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, he's played well. And, and, and we, you know, there's been a lot of talk of Prescott's coming back from his injury. Joe Burrow has come back from his injury and played like a stud. I mean, he's averaging more than nine I mean, yards. What more team. could you want? Yeah, he's, you know. Yeah, he's, he's been great. Great job on his part. All right, Nick, how you feel? Did you eat a good dinner? I feel good, man. I'm ready to, ready to do a good old-fashioned uh, run right here and see how we do. Let's check your gut. Uh, last week for our gut check segment where we pick all of the games. We did okay. I was nine and seven. You were ten and six. You got one up on me, but we Both are just playoff okay. records, right? Yeah, we're winning. We're not the Steelers. We're winning records. Uh, so let's see if we can capitalize on a positive record and keep the momentum going. Let's do it. All right. So I'm just gonna clarify because we've already picked four games, so to speak. Uh, we both have the Bills. Both yep. have the Chargers. Yep. Who do you have? Uh, Jags, Titans. Uh, Titans. All right. I have Green Bay. You have Cincy. Correct. All right. L.A. Seahawks. Uh, I, I think L.A. comes from comes back from a loss. I think they beat Seattle. I agree with you. Who do you got? Jets. Falcons. Atlanta. I I have Atlanta as well. I have them. Uh, they got to come back sometime. Um, <clears throat> who do you have? Patriots. Texans. I think New England showed a lot of heart in, uh, in that game Sunday night, and I think Houston's a dumpster fire. I go Patriots. Yeah, after getting blown out 40-0, to zero, I think Bill Belichick can capitalize on Mills, rookie quarterback. Not not a good look. Who do you have? Lions, Vikings. Uh, I think Minnesota, right? I think Detroit's slowly falling apart. I mean, they got dominated by a bad Chicago team last week. I go, I go Vikings. I think they pull one out here. I think this is the win. The Vikings have been on the edge with a lot of teams. I think the Lions can pull one out here. Uh, this is probably like one of their only shots. It's a divisional game. You know, you throw all bets out the windows in those games. I don't. I, I believe it's in Minnesota, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, so here I'll look really fast. Uh, yeah, it's at it's in Minnesota, but I think the the Lions can possibly pull this one out. We'll see. Who do you got? Uh, Eagles, Panthers. I go Carolina. They're a tough team. They come back from the loss. Oh yeah, I think uh, the Eagles. You know, they had a pretty tough loss to Kansas City, but I think it exposed that Carolina is a team that can capitalize on the Eagles. Saints, Washington. So the Saints alternate on me between playing good and playing bad. They played bad last week. I think they're going to play good this week. I go Saints. As much as I think this pick may come back to bite me, I think that uh, the Heineken hate game boils over into this week, and I think Heineken and that team... They played well offensively against a bad Falcons defense. I hope I hope they can 
pull it out. The Saints are a beatable team. I think it's a team that if they're going to get a, a good win, that's one that they, they have it on. Uh, we already picked Titans, Jags. We both picked the Titans. Dolphins, Bucks. I think Tampa. I think Dolphins are in a free fall. Yeah, I think uh, Brady just brings back PTSD to uh, Dolphins team. He was in the East Division with them for a long time. Uh, I think he's probably got their number. It doesn't matter what team they're on. We both pick. Uh, you pick Bengals. I pick Green Bay. Broncos, Steelers. You know, I think this is more me not liking Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger. I'm going Denver. I actually don't think I'm capable of picking Pittsburgh, so that was an easy decision for me. Raiders, Bears. One's coming off of a big win. One is coming off of a huge loss. I think this is the Raiders. I I think the Bears still have issues offensively, and I I, I think they haven't played great in the year. I'm going uh, Gruden after the loss. I'm going Raiders. I'm going to take the Bears. I'm going to take Nagy to want to capitalize on a good performance by Fields. Wasn't great. It was good. Uh but uh I don't know. I probably regret that one later, but I just, you know, I feel like last week there were so many upsets that maybe picking extremely from my gut is going to be a little bit better than trying to pick who I think is the best team. Hey, that's why we call it gut check, man. All right, we both got the Chargers over the Browns. Cowboys Giants. Uh, I think go Dallas. They're playing well. I I can't pick against you. So, um, got Niners Cardinals. Arizona's playing great ball. Uh, 49ers are battling some injuries. I'm going Arizona. I agree with you. There's uh, they're playing. They're beating great teams. They're beating them bad. I think the injuries. Jimmy G is at least going to be slower if he plays. Uh, there's no way. Um, we both picked. Bills over Chiefs. Now, finally, Colts, Ravens. I, this is Baltimore, right? The Colts have disappointed this year. Baltimore's playing really well. I think, finally, we beat a good team bad, or good, so to speak. We find, like we barely found a way to win the last few weeks. We finally had a statement win. Maybe we figured out what we're supposed to be doing on offense a little bit. Um, It sucks that Teddy Bridgewater got knocked out, but... Fortunately enough, I think you can blow the wrong way and Carson Wentz is going to get knocked out. So that's not too hard. Well, we made it all the way through there. Let's see after a big week last weekend. Let's see if we can uh, capitalize on positive records and keep this train moving. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great weekend. I mean, a lot of a lot of big games, a lot of fun matchups. I mean, just like last week, excited to watch it and excited to keep talking about it and see how the season shapes up. This season has left us with no shortage of topics. I'm sure something crazy will happen in the next coming week. Uh, we appreciate you listening to us here at Saturday Morning Inspection. Uh, for those of you who've stuck all the way through and we excited you so much that you forgot, you can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify Look for Saturday Morning Inspection. It'll pop up. You can find us at our website. It has all of our socials on there. SMIshow.com If you'd like to hear some funny tweets, some cool graphics, and us just generally being ourselves, check out our Twitter, SMIFootballShow on Twitter. We appreciate you being with us, and we will see you next week.